Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Can I just start this morning by passing on my deepest, deepest sympathies to Joe McCarthy, uh, his wife Eileen and all of the family in Ballinascarthy because I, I did hear about this earlier on in the week, but I didn't know whether it was been widely, widely spoken about within the media and whether all family members had been contacted. And I'm always, always so careful of when you hear of somebody dying, particularly the, a, a young death and a tragic death, I'm always careful and I will be the first one to be saying to other reporters, be careful when you start to talk about it over the airwaves and now with social media because we don't know if all family members have been informed uh, yet. Uh, and it's to do with Joe's granddaughter, uh, a beautiful young girl by the name of Sonia McCarthy. She was killed seemingly following an accident in Tanzania, Tanzania last Sunday. She is Joe and Eileen's granddaughter and she's the daughter of Joe and Eileen's son John and his wife Lucia and she is sister to Sabina, Savannah and Adam though. She had been, as far as I know, the family live in London because I'm reading in the papers today that her funeral will take place in London with a memorial mass uh, to take place at a later date and of course Joe McCarthy has such long, long association with this radio station. Many would say we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for people like Joe McCarthy and Joe over the years presented many programmes particularly with the late Bob Jennings so I know uh, people people's hearts will be broken for Joe because a nicer, nicer man and his wife Eileen, you just could not meet a nicer couple and, and I know they must be utterly, utterly heartbroken but to think it's more tragedy landing in the beautiful little village of Ballinascarthy because that's the same village where Cameron Blair comes from and of course this weekend is going to be filled with sadness in Ballinascarthy because Cameron is coming home uh, for he's going to be laid out at home uh, his removal and then his uh, funeral will be in Ballinascarthy so that is the village that is going to be absolutely bereft this weekend and our thoughts and prayers with the Blair family but now also with the McCarthy family may those two young people may they both rest in peace both uh, Sonia and Cameron uh, 1850 Let's uh, lighten things up a little bit. Michael, thank you, Michael, for your lovely text. And, hi, Patricia. I was listening to talking to Simon about Tom Jones and how John, Tom Jones is going to be playing live in the marquee. And I'm sure that news was received with 
with great joy by Tom Jones fans and I was just taken aback I didn't realise that Tom Jones is going to be celebrating his 80th birthday I would have put him in his I would have have said 70 I would have given him another I would have dropped him down 10 years he certainly doesn't look uh, 80 what a great guy he is and he'll be up there rocking it out on stage and he'll give as much on stage as he did when he would have started out in his 20s and for his fans it's going to be a great night out uh, live at the Marquis and Michael agrees. I think he is just an outstanding uh, performer. Yesterday, I was watching, says Michael, the big race from Gorn Park on RT2. And the inter- the in- there was an interview done with Willie Mullins's mother. Willie Mullins's mother, Mrs Mullins, is 91. And by God, says Michael, she'd put Tom Jones in the shade. She was fluent in her memory and she was word perfect. She said she first came to Gorn Park in 1938. Isn't that incredible? Willie said he was at Ascot last week and suddenly he looked around and who was there but his mother? Uh, Micah said it was just really beautiful to watch and such a lovely lady to listen to I'm sure says, says Michael it can be found on the player if anybody wants to find it God bless her thank you for that Michael now coming up on the programme uh, this morning we're going to hear a call for the council to set up some kind of a depot or a drop off point for people to hand in household items that they no longer need but may still be of use to somebody else. And we've all, we've all, we all do that. We all replace items. Maybe we're just sick of looking at it. Maybe it's not fitting in with the colour scheme anymore. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And it would be a shame to just send it on to landfill. A shame just to bring it to the civic community site where, you know, it's going to be, you know, it might be parts broken up and parts of it recycled, which is obviously the best thing to do. But you know that somebody else could get a bit of a use out of it. So this is, this is, I think, a, a pretty good idea. I know there are some fantastic charity shops that accept household items but all of them don't. Some of them are just purely, for example, for clothes and things. And then there's also of late springing up some really good websites. One that I know myself only too well is the the Act of Kindness page that runs in the Mallow area which is a fantastic, fantastic page and they are just brilliant administrators who really keep on top of the items that come in and the idea is if you have something that you don't want anymore you can send it on and they'll put it up on their Facebook page and then people can jump in and say oh yeah I'd love that etc and it gets passed on to somebody else or, or the fact it's an Act of Kindness page if somebody's looking for something if somebody's in need of something they can put a request in and the little community that's on the Facebook page then can see if they can help the person out so there are services like that but they're not everywhere across the county so I think this suggestion for the council to get involved I think is a really really good idea so we're going to find out a little bit more about that uh, today Mallow roundabout the horse and riders you know the statues the big statues that used to be on the centre of the Annabelle roundabout as you came into Mallow that's got moved I'm open to correction, but I think, was it 2017 it got taken down? Do you remember there was a lot of work done on the roundabout and the horses and riders came down? We've been inquiring about them over the years because every now and again somebody will get on to us say, does anybody know what's happening? We even, John Paul went to great lengths, I think it was last year, he actually tracked down the guy who commissioned, who was commissioned to do the sculpture 
and he was a lovely man who was thrilled that there was still so much interest in his particular piece and he was led to believe that the piece was going to either go back to him or he was going to be brought down to clean it and bring it back up to pristine condition because obviously it's it's been, been a bit weather beaten over the years it's been there over 20 years on the roundabout anyway we're talking about it today because it seems like it's finally going to get a new home so we'll have an update uh, on that staying with a Cork County Council story they have refused planning permission to the crematorium at the old site of the Duhalo Park Hotel last year we started hearing about this that a business looked at the Duhalla Park Hotel and thought that could be a great location for a crematorium. There was people in the North Cork area and going back to, say, Kerry, who thought it was a great idea because it would mean that they'd have a crematorium on their doorstep at the moment. If a family member wants to be cremated, you'd have to go up into Little Island, isn't it? That's the... Don't, it don't, is there a crematorium in Kerry? Can anybody uh, tell us uh, or not? I know there was a piece in the paper about people in Kerry having problems as to what they could do with their ashes and not being able to burn their ashes. I might try and get to that uh, later on on the programme today. But this is to do with the Dohalla Park Hotel site Cork, the planners are saying no, not not the ideal location for crematorium. Now it is very possible that the people behind this business idea will, I no doubt, go on to onboard Planola and appeal it. But for now, it has been turned down by Cork County Council. So we will talk about that. Is is that a decision you welcome? Or are you were you one on the other side of the fence that you thought, no, it would be a great idea? I think People certainly in that area want something done with that site because that was such a busy, popular hotel back in its day. And it would be great if you could put something else into that site. But is crematorium the answer? Some people will say no. We have details of a flash mob dance that's going to be held in Cork the middle of next month. I think it's around Valentine's Day or thereabouts. And they're looking for people to volunteer if you'd like to get involved. I love, absolutely love watching flash mobs when, you know, you'll see them. They'll go up online and they'll go viral and they're just, they always seem like a great bit of fun. And it's always been my dream that I'd be at an airport or a train station or in the middle of a busy shopping centre and suddenly out of nowhere music would appear and these people all around me would start singing and dancing. It's just been a dream of mine. Anyway, we're going to hear more about this flash mob that's going to be held in Cork City next month. Uh, we're also going to the movies with Mark Malone. He'll be giving us uh, an idea of what's on in the movies at the moment. And we're also going to hear about that inquest that was yes, held yesterday into the death of the little four-year-old from Douglas, little Killian uh, O'Driscoll, who was found unresponsive in a crash. That's all to come on the programme today. The parents of a four-year-old boy who died after being found unresponsive in a Cork crash say they hope lessons can be learned from what happened. Fiona Corkham, our senior news reporter, was that yesterday inquest and uh, she joins me. Good morning to Fiona. Good morning Patricia. Now this is such a heartbreaking story. Little Killian O'Driscoll, he went to crash that morning, December the 14th, uh, 2018 and everything seemed normal. That's right Patricia. His parents described dropping him off but they said he was in normal form, good form and staff at the crash kinder care, uh, child care in Balancholic reported the same, there was no issues, he hadn't been unwell and um, later on that morning at around 11 o'clock he became sleepy. Now Killian had been diagnosed with autism and he had a special needs assistant um, assistant with him in the class and she said that she noticed that he was becoming sleepy so she brought him up to um, it's a kind of a playhouse structure in the creche and she 
described that as his safe place. She brought him up there and he fell asleep at around a quarter past 11. And she was on the premises until quarter past 12. So she said she had been checking him for that hour. And when she was leaving, she said to one of the other childcare workers that she was leaving and that he was still asleep and to give him his lunch when he woke up. Now, we heard that um, at, that, that uh, childcare worker, Kira O'Connor, she said that, um, you know, she was walking past um, across the day, um, walking past this playhouse structure, and she was looking in at him through the slotted um, structure. Like, it was kind of, uh, there was slats in it, so she was able to kind of see his face. But she said she didn't physically go up the steps and go in and physically check him, but she was glancing in at him every now and then. And at around a quarter past one, she noticed that he sat up, but he lay back down again and went back to sleep. And then just after two o'clock, another member of staff went to check on him and found that he was unresponsive and purple and not breathing. And the alarm was raised. And Little Killian was rushed to Cork University Hospital, where he died later on that evening. Now, we heard from assistant pathologist Dr. Margaret Bolster, who had conducted a post-mortem examination, that he died from a virus. It was a viral infection that had started off in his lungs and could have been there for several days, but didn't show any symptoms. And it spread to the to his heart and on, on ultimately to his brain and um, caused him to stop breathing and to pass away. Now, she said it would have happened very, very quickly and he wouldn't have suffered. He would have passed away in his sleep. But the whole issue yesterday with the inquest, Patricia, and a big issue for the parents in this case, is that um, Killian wasn't a child who would have napped. Um, his parents said he was a very early riser in the morning, but even no matter what time he woke up at in the day, he never ever went for a nap, and he never went for a nap in the crash. And the only other time he had gone for a nap was the month before, and he had tonsillitis that time, so he was sick. So they said that you know it was unusual for him to go to sleep, and they uh, couldn't understand why he was allowed to sleep for nearly three hours, and there wasn't anybody really checking on him properly. Now we heard from staff at kinder care, child care, that they did have a sleep monitoring policy in place, but that was mainly for children who were under the age of two. But so for Killian's age group, four to five-year-olds, they had replaced sleep time with yoga in the previous few months um, because the children of that age just weren't going to sleep anymore during the day. So they had nap or yoga time and meditation time. So they had um, sleep monitoring sheets and or charts and they were supposed to be checking on children who were asleep every 10 minutes and recording if there was any change in the child's breathing or their colour or the room temperature but because this wasn't something that they were doing on a regular basis with children because they weren't asleep they didn't do it on this occasion with Killian because it wasn't it was no longer enforced and um, the parents took issue with this now the coroner did explain to them yesterday that the coroner's course uh, is not there to apportion blame to anyone they just needed to establish the facts of what happened and the jury in the case yesterday came back with a verdict of accidental death and they also made a recommendation that all staff in all crashes are made aware of all policies and procedures that are in place and if there are any changes that they're regularly updated and uh, the parents, Deirdre and John Paul O'Driscoll, made a statement that was read out in court by their solicitor. Okay, if you just ho- if you hold there, because I actually have that 
Okay. Uh, this is a clip from uh, Amy Connolly. I'm assuming speaking after the inquest yesterday. Yes. So just stay there. At 8.10am on the morning of the 14th of December 2018, we dropped our beloved Killian to Kindercare Crash, Ballancolic, County Cork. He did not have a worry in the world, nor did we. At 2.30pm, we got an urgent call from the crash to go directly to Cork University Hospital, where Killian had been brought and where he subsequently passed away a few hours later. We now know that in the intervening hours after we had dropped Killian to the crash, he had been placed in a nap in the upper storey of a play treehouse. This was most unusual for Killian. Whilst nothing can bring Killian back and our pain will be with us forever, we do hope that lessons can be learned from today. In particular, we think it is vitally important that a number of things happen that creches have adequate policies in place to ensure that they are safe places for children. In particular, the policies should set out and clarify the timing in which children are monitored whilst they are asleep. Before a creche opens or before it is permitted to continue in operation, THUSA need to ensure that all policies are in place and operational. Finally, we would like to thank our family and friends that have supported us through this difficult time and indeed to the coroner for the sensitive way in which he dealt with this inquest. All right, that's uh, Amy Connolly. That was their solicitor, was it, um, Fiona? That's right, yeah. That yeah. was the family solicitor yesterday. Uh, and they, so it was, it's a very sad case for everybody involved, you know, and it, it does raise a lot of questions, I suppose, for questions about the sleep policy that they have in place. And, um, you know, the, the parents, as they said there, that nothing will bring Killian back, but they hope that lessons can be learned and that you know that no other family will have to go through the same pain that they've gone through it's just it's, it really is uh, shocking and uh, once again we pass on our, our sympathies to the address because as you say uh, nothing will ever bring Killian back but let's hope lessons have been uh, learned and just while you're on the line um Cameron Blair, of course, going home this weekend. His uh, funeral is on on Sunday. Uh, what's the latest on this youth who presented himself to the Garda station? Yes, Patricia, yesterday morning, a teenager believed to be 17-year-old, 17-year-old, presented himself at Toker Garda station and um, he was questioned by detectives investigating the fake stabbing of Cameron Blair. And at lunchtime yesterday, he was formally arrested. Now, he have confirmed to us this morning that he remains in Garda custody and um, he's being detained under Section 4 of the Criminal Justice Act, which allows people, the Garda to hold a person for up to 24 hours. So we're expecting to hear something, uh, a development in this case later on today. Now, uh, the 24 hours will obviously bring him up to lunchtime, but uh, they have to allow extra time for sleeping and for breaks and with a juvenile They'll, they'll get more breaks, so it could be this evening before we get any further update on that. But there is a 17-year-old, or a, a young man in his late teens, currently uh, being detained at Tokyo Garda Station, and he is being questioned by detectives investigating okay. that. And of course, we know um, we know that the Gardaí had said that they've made significant progress with their investigation over the past few days. That's right, and okay. as you said, Cameron Blair, his funeral service is going to take place this Sunday, in Bandon and uh, the family have asked for privacy for privacy at their home um, but uh, you know they're expecting huge crowds and there will be diversions in place in Bandon on on Sunday and um, you know there's been a huge outpouring of support for the family and uh, you know we expect a huge attendance there from CIT and from Bandon Rugby Club they've already said that they're going to form a guard of honour um, on the day so a lot of uh, very uh, you know, it's, it's a very, that's another sad case, Trisha, and it's Threat. obviously one that has really hit people here in Cork, right across the community, 
and uh, a very sad weekend for that family. Yeah, indeed. All right, listen, thank you for that, Fiona, and uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, we celebrated this week with Coast Watch Ireland when they announced that the amount of drinks containers had halved in their latest coastal litter survey. Then Cork County Council released figures showing an increase in the number of people using the civic amenity sites. So, is the environmental message finally getting through? Independent Councillor Marcia Dalton feels we could be doing more and she joins me with what I think is a rather interesting suggestion. Good morning to you, Marcia. Good morning, uh, and, and you're welcome. Um, firstly, are you pleased to hear that more people are using the civic community sites operated by the council? Oh, yes, it's great to see the latest numbers. Um, they're up quite significantly. Uh, both for waste and for recycling, because we account for those differently when we're looking at the statistics. So it's clear to me that the civic community sites are increasingly becoming well regarded as being an, as an alternative for household waste management. And that's fantastic. That's what we need to see. Now, the message from the County Council when I talk to them is that they are extremely expensive to run. There's just When you look at the budgetary figures, they cost all 11 of them about four million a year to wow. run. Yeah, it's really expensive. So they are under pressure all the time not to increase gate fees. And the more people use them, the more sustainable they are and the more of a hub they will become. So, That's a good point. You know, like they have recently opened, I think, Mallow and Mill Street only two days a week because mm. simply they weren't getting people through the gates. So the more people use them, the cheaper they can be and and the more important they will become for us as householders. But it certainly is good to see the increase in, in the people using Great. them because it always annoys me when, uh, you know, listeners will send in photographs of dumping that's taking place in the in their areas. And particularly if it's a very, say, scenic out of the way area. And to think that somebody had to go to the bother of getting to that site to dump their rubbish. Why could they just not have gone to a civic amenity site? It just really, really infuriates me. But your suggestion is for a depot where people could bring uh, items that others may be able to use. Yes, and I think historically at some of the civic community sites, to be fair to some of the lads who are working there, they will often see bits that are coming in that are really in quite good quality and could very easily be reused. And you'll see them, I certainly see them at my own local civic community site in Rathine in the past, just putting them quietly beside the skip as opposed to into the skip. Yeah. And, and then if somebody wants to pick them up, they can, and that's just wonderful. Um, but Way back in 2005, when I was a member of Passage West Town Council, this was a proposal which we put before the County Council. Would it be possible to consider that civic community sites could house goods rehoming facilities? And that's what we call them, not second-hand depots, but goods rehoming facilities. So um, bulky items or smaller toys or a couch that you know has more life left in it could be saved put in a container or a small building. Um, somebody who would, I mean, however you want to run it, varies between from location to location. Some people ask for a fee when you bring something in, um, although it may be reused, rehomed. Um, other locations don't, uh, but the, the person who collects pays a small fee. So it's, it's a little bit like an on-site second-hand shop, for want of a better description. The profits could go to charity, they could go into the running of the civic community site, doesn't matter which. But critically, it A, helps the householder, and B, is 
right up there on our hierarchy of waste management because it's in that prevention reuse category that we find so elusive and so difficult to improve. And sense. it would encourage people, you know, uh, t- to go to the civic community sites, but also regular users of the civic community site could just take a look at what's come in during the week. Yeah. Oh, uh, I, I certainly could have use for that. Oh, yeah, I'll be able to use that at home. But there's a bicycle that Johnny will be able to cycle. I think it's a terrific idea. And you have you seen it operate in other countries? At the time, in 2005, I had done quite some considerable research on it. And yes, they operate them quite successfully, and notably in Australia. Um, they have some in America. Uh, I didn't see any closer to home, um, but there are some wonderful working examples in Australia. Um, and and it's just it it's just so sensible because it increases that that the way civic community sites feature in our everyday lives, and it consequently brings more people across the gate, and that's good for local authorities and it's good for waste management. Um, and it's potentially good for our pockets. And, you know, even without much resource, and even if they could have a simple website, simple Facebook page, you know, showing bits and pieces that they have in the site at the time, again, it encourages people to interact and come down and it reduces the waste to going to landfill. And this isn't going to take away from second-hand or charity shops, you, you, you don't believe, yeah? Not at all, because it's a, it's a totally different function. Second-hand and charity shops often have problems with toys, um, they would often have problems with books. They frequently don't have the space to store bulky items, something which would be of massive use to householders in a good rehoming facility would be used tins of paint. Mm. Um, and you could go in and take your used tin of paint for free and it avoids waste, the, the waste into a landfill site or a hazardous waste management facility and you get your paint for free. I thought civic amenity sites took paint. They do. They do, yeah, yeah. Because I'm sure I've they seen. Do, but they don't. They, yeah, you, you can't go and use it again. Oh, can you not? Okay. Right, I think once upon once upon a time, I I, I was convinced, I and mean, there was many years ago. Thought in the Mallow site, I saw people going in and taking tins of paint. Maybe they were dropping it off. I assume well, that we, they were taking it. You're absolutely right, Patricia. Because I think there is a, a realization and a recognition of the value of some of the materials that do already go into civic community sites. And I know we ran some years ago a little project in our local school. We went to the community site and we asked them, could we take the better quality used tins of paint? And there was no issue. But it's not done on a formal basis. Yeah, so it's to formalise it, yeah. Yeah, so if you're looking for paint, you're not going to think you're civic community. Yeah, site. and we all end up with uh, half a tin of paint that you know you're never going to use. We do. And rather than doing something with it, we so often leave it sitting in our cupboard or our garage until it becomes too old to use. Mm. But this way, at least you know it's being used. You bring it in, small fee, somebody takes it away for free. Are you, ge- are you getting a reaction to your suggestion? To be honest with you, I when I was speaking to the Evening Echo report the other day, she just rang to discuss the figures because they were interesting, the figures for the civic community site use. And she asked me what my interpretation of those figures was and I just said it to her. And then I volunteered this. Okay. So I actually haven't, since 2005, suggested it in Cork County Council at all. Um, and now that there has been an interest, I do intend to revisit it. Although I was very interested to see um, there is currently a consultation document from the department called Waste Action for a Circular Economy. Um, and one of the consultation suggestions is that there might be depots like this at civic community sites. And I looked at it in irony when I was reading the consultation. 
And I said, my goodness, you know, 19 years on, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, well, you've started the ball rolling. Just keep kicking it down the road, uh, Marcy. It'll eventually get there. Listen, we leave it there. Thank you for that. And thanks for joining Thank us on the programme. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is uh, Independent uh, Councillor uh, Marcia Dalton. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 People in Mallow will no, no doubt be delighted to hear that after long last the horses and riders one of the town's most recognisable landmarks is to finally be relocated to a new home joining me with more information on this uh, Councillor Garode Murphy good morning to you Garode Hi Patricia um, Thanks, Well you're welcome to the programme I suppose start by reminding listeners when and why the horses and riders were removed from the roundabout Well they were removed um, during the um, the uh, redesign of the roundabout. The roundabout, of course, had had uh, long tailbacks and it still is quite busy and we saw actually during the closure of one of the lanes for the construction of the boardwalk how long tailbacks came back. So it's a very um, busy roundabout and uh, Transport Infrastructure Ireland, the body that I suppose controls the N20 and by extension also the design of the roundabout, uh, the goal was to just make traffic more free-flowing. Um, and because of that, alterations to the roundabout were needed. Um, and that led, I suppose, to the horse and rider statue having to be removed. But then in terms of once you remove something to put it back, it has to, this is from what I understand now, it has to conform with the regulations as they exist today. And what I've been told is that, unfortunately, the statue was too tall for, for the new regulations. Yeah. So it's it's been, it got taken down sometime during 2017 and there has been much talk since as to where it would be replaced. Where where would they put it? There was talks of it going out to the race course, but that was ruled mm-hmm. out. Yeah, well, I think in the end it was originally installed as a part as, as a sculpture. It was art associated with the N20 and another example of that would have been the stag statue actually that's further down past Rastoff on the hill another very well-known kind of landmark and um, I suppose for that reason it was felt that it was very important that if it couldn't go back on the roundabout at the very least they had to make sure it was still somewhere on the N20. Mm. Um, And in in public display for people to see. Yeah exactly and I, I of course and the race course, if it was opposite the race course or somewhere like that, it would also have been very prominent and very public. But I think it was really the association with the N20 and I suppose the volume of traffic that passes there as well. And just in general, it would also be, of course, its current location, I should probably say, where it's going to be relocated. It's going to be re- relocated the um, the slip road um, just so uh, just kind of above Lower Duhallow Park. Um, there's in the south side of Mallow, um, just uh, kind of the slip road past Kylie's Garage as you're going up to, to Cork City um, onto the N20. It'll be, so if you're driving up that slip road, it'll be just on your left after you turn onto the N20. So Has it been cleaned in any way? There was talks about it being cleaned and if anything restored to it, what it was when it was first put in there over 20 years ago now. Has there been anything done with it? I actually don't know offhand. I imagine it would be restored all right before going in. Um, it, it certainly, you know, makes sense because it's something that people will actually be able to go down and 
actually, I suppose, go right up close to now, whereas before that wasn't possible in the middle of a roundabout. So if it hasn't been cleaned, I'd certainly be pushing it for it to be cleaned. And I actually will get in touch with the officials involved and suggest that. Um, I don't know the answer offhand. OK, because I know last year we were onto the sculpture, uh, Michael Quain, the, the guy who who made the 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 horses and riders uh, over 20 years ago and he certainly at the time was I know willing to take it back and clean it and there was talks at one stage he was going to put it he was going doing a tour around the country with it but I don't think that ever came off but anyway um, yeah it definitely it, because it's been weather beaten it's been you know it's been out for so long it does need to be uh, cleaned up have we a date on when it goes back on public display at this stage? Garot? We don't have an exact date okay. uh, what's happening is the council at the moment as you know listeners will be aware um, there's uh, major works taking place on the approach road to the roundabout, the Annabella roundabout in Mallow. Um, and the pavements are being uh, completely redone and strengthened. The uh, the road's going to be completely overlaid. There were a lot of issues there, I remember, especially around a year ago, um, on the slip road going down off the, M- the N20 um, into the south side of Mallow. Like, uh, there were a lot of potholes and things like that in the cars, hit it at such speed or such a volume of traffic, you know, there's a need to to kind of spruce things up, I suppose, and that's what's going on at the moment. Um, but there's no date set yet. Uh, what's happening is um, there's, uh, at the moment, I think, um, well, they're uh, working on the bridges, then the crash barriers are going to be worked on the, the contractors. This is what they're doing, I understand. Um, and then after that, the whole road will be resurfaced with blacktop. And I think um, probably just, we don't have a confirmation yet, but it's likely before the blacktop is resurfaced that that should be going up. So okay. it'll be, a time frame will be the next few months, so between now and summer. Cert- so yeah, certainly before the summer we can be, fingers yeah. crossed and hopeful. Okay, and before we let you go, have you got an update on the M20, the general design process is about to finish, I'm told? Yeah, that's exactly it. So at the moment... Um, there is no confirmation on what route it's going to take. Okay. And we not only do we not have the exact route, we don't even know if it will be recommended to go through Mitchestown, Care or Mallow. Um, we're obviously pushing very strongly for it to go through Mallow. I understand that the process is nearing completion at the moment, the general kind of macro-level design process, and they will be making a recommendation by the end of February. That's what I've been told by officials recently. What, um, what did you make of Eamon Ryan, the Green Party, saying we don't need a, uh, another motorway? To be honest, I, I couldn't believe it, really. Uh, it, I mean, the N20 is the second most dangerous road in the whole country. Um, and the most dangerous, by the way, is the N72, uh, Mallow Killarney. So, you know, to say that we don't need one, I think it just... It just, you know, it's not in touch with reality, to be honest with you, Um, particularly just even from a basic road safety perspective. Of course, it would be fantastic if everyone used public transport by train to get everywhere. But unfortunately, that's not the reality where we are. And we have to deal with the real world that we're in. I've always been calling for better, I suppose, more accessible trains, lower fares. I've only about a year ago... I was um I went to Dublin to meet the NTA about getting leap cards on um the Mallow Cork uh rail so I'm I'm very much in favor of more sustainable and green transport but we have to live in the world that we're in and 
from a road safety perspective, I just think it makes no sense at all. And uh, okay, do you know, but okay, yeah. so some news will will be breaking, and fingers crossed that it's the news we all want to hear. Certainly in the North Cork area. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully all right. Anyway. All right. We'll keep a close eye on that road. In the meantime, thank you for that, and thanks for joining us. Thanks, Patricia. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, Councillor uh, Gorod Murphy. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp. Text. I keep saying WhatsApp. Please don't WhatsApp me because the WhatsApp ain't working. You can text the 0862 103 103. We're going to take a break. We have news at 11 coming. And after news at 11, we discuss the Cork County Council refusing planning permission for a crematorium at the old Duhalla Park Hotel site. Cork today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven-day delivery for those cosy nights in. Lowcostfuel.ie Get weekly news, event updates and community information from across Cork with our regional reports on C103.ie from Bantry to Buttevant to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area in between. We've got it covered. To listen, go to c103.ie and click Regional Reports or download the C103 app and click Podcasts. Regional Reports, only on C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Michael has been on to the programme. This is to do with his late wife who passed away four years ago. And yet, Michael is still receiving political literature through the post. You know, the flyers that we spoke about yesterday with some people feeling they were junk mail. Actually, I spoke to our postman this morning who says it is his job if that has come through on post, if there's a name and address on it, the post has been paid on it. It is his job to put it in through the letterbox, even if there's a sign in the letterbox saying no junk mail, even though I thought it was interesting. He said some people, if he meet, you know, if the postman is coming and the person is there or heading out the gate as the postman is coming in. And he said some people hand it straight back. And he said, that's OK, he can take it back if it's handed straight back. But it is his job to put it through the letterbox. But anyway, so it's that the, the literature that comes directly from the political uh, parties. So Michael is still getting ones with his wife's name on it. And he said, what's annoying about it is when the polling cards come his wife's name has been taken off the register of electors so he can't understand why the political parties don't update their register and that kind of shocks me because I assumed that all of the political parties every time there is an election that it is the current register of electors they would use because how wasteful is it if they're using they're obviously in Michael's case using a register that's at, at at least four years old and people could have could have moved out of the country, people could have moved house and what a waste to be sending out literature when the person isn't even uh, there. So that's uh, very frustrating because when I saw Michael's comment come in, I thought it was going to be that he was going to say and her polling card still arrives and I was going to say that that's the register of electors needs to be updated but that's not the case because he hasn't received a polling card for his wife since she's since she's died. So it's the political parties. I don't know if it's all of the political parties or some of the political parties, but they're using out-of-date registers, which is crazy, crazy indeed. Thank you for your call, Michael. And Con also contacted the programme. This is to do with rubbish and the dumping of litter. You know, seeing as we've been talking about all the positive things that are happening with the environment, less coastal litter, well, certainly when it comes to drinks, cans. And then we hit Cork County Council telling us more people are using civic amenity sites and I took 
great comfort out of that thinking are people instead of dumping rubbish they're actually bringing it to the civic community site where Con wants to highlight a section of the road on now the official road is the L1 200 road it's the road to Lascarra it's if you're heading out of Mallow heading towards Limerick you go past the hospital it's a junction just the junction just after the turn off into Mallow hospital down on that road that will bring you to Lascarra he said for about two miles along that road it has become a regular dumping ground and he said just overnight last night five bags of domestic rubbish have been dumped there. He thinks it's a convenient way for people from the town, he's blaming, to come out and dump their rubbish. He's appealing to anybody who sees any of this happening to please take the number of the vehicle and report it to Cork uh, County Council. But again, it's the point I was making earlier when I was having my chat with Councillor Marcia Dalton. Somebody went to the bother of loading up five bags of domestic rubbish. Now, I don't know if they're big, we're assuming they're big black sacks, putting them into the car because you couldn't go for a walk with five bags of domestic rubbish. So they put them into a, a car, a van, a jeep, whatever, trailer. And then they drive out the road, turn up as if they're heading for Liscarrel, wait around, make sure nobody sees them, and then they, they dump the rubbish. Why couldn't they have waited and have brought that rubbish to the civic community site or bring it somewhere else where you can pay a small amount of money? Munster Waste operate a great system whereby they take in uh, rubbish. I know there's the cost, but it doesn't cost that much. And yet the environment, the cost to the environment and the cost to the taxpayer, because it is the council that'll have to go out and clean, and clean it up. And I'm assuming, Con, having contacted us, that Con, you've got on to Cork County Council to give them the exact location where that rubbish is because that needs to be picked up quickly before birds and other wildlife get at it and the bags get ripped apart and then you're going to have rubbish literally all over the place. Uh, Mary in Mallow said the McCroom Civic Amenity site do what Marcia was suggesting or she said they certainly used to do it. She remembers going to McCroom Civic Amenity site I'm assuming now she uses the Mallow one and they used to leave items on a shelf for people to take away. Well I remember many years ago being in Mallow Civic Amenity site and I'm nearly convinced I saw people going into the section where the paint tins were and people were taking away tins of paint. I thought that's that's what, what I saw. But Marcia did say it's kind of done on an ad hoc basis. It's up to kind of the staff at the Civic Community site. If they see something they think oh that's reasonably okay somebody may want to use that and they'll just leave it aside rather than putting it straight into the skip. So it's done on that kind of ad hoc basis but she's trying to get it done where people will know that there's actually a section of the Civic Community site where you have an item that you no longer used pre-loved item but you feel that somebody else might be able to use it and you can put it in there instead so it doesn't go straight into landfill or, or get broken up to be recycled. I think it's a, it's a, it's a terrific uh, idea. Um, Heidi says, Patricia, the person from the Green Party who says there's no need for another motorway and in particular where they were talking about the Court Limerick motorway, where is he living? I think the way these, these Greens are going on will all be starting to live like we were in the dark ages. We'll have no coal, no cars and no flights to uh, any, anywhere and and so on, says Heidi. Well, it was Eamon Ryan, the Green Party leader, who came out and said that he didn't think he was against the planned M20 Cork Limerick motorway. And, you know, his suggestion was, as would be Green Party policy, would be rather than being out on cars, we should all be in trains and buses, etc. And using public transport or get on your bike. Where is he from? Uh, Eamon Ryan is a is from Dublin. <laughs> Again, just when people from Dublin make decisions like this, have they any... Do, do they know what it's like to live in the 
in the area? Do they know what it's like to try to commute between Cork and Limerick and it isn't always feasible? Well, you can't get on the Dart and you can't get on the Lewis, even though I did see a green candidate in the Clare area. Uh, do I have that person's name? I did see that person say that they were, uh, where was, where did I see that? Claire's Green candidate insists parties not opposed. She insists the party is not opposed to the development of the motorway linking Limerick to Cork. So this was just something that the Green Party leader said, but local, this is a, uh, local candidates for the Green Party are in favour of that particular motorway going ahead. And thank you, by the way, to Heidi, who also sent me on a link to a piece saying, you know the way we... The amount of time it's taking to build the children's hospital here uh, she's, and the cost uh, of it. She says, well, how can they in China manage to build a hospital in one day? And it's a piece coming out of China and they are going to build a hospital and they're going to have it up and running in 10 days. They've started it, the hospital. It's in Wuhan where this virus, coronavirus is stemming from. The hospital is expected to be up and running by February the 3rd. So it'll be built in 10 days. It'll have capacity for a thousand beds spread out over 25,000 square metres. And the Chinese news agency put up photographs of dozens of diggers and trucks who were filmed working on the site. The state broadcaster put that up and they reckon within 10 days they'll have this hospital built. But if you think back to in 2003 was when China had the SARS, remember the SARS outbreak, and they at that time built a hospital in Beijing just on the rural outskirts of Beijing and they did that in about a week Again, they needed extra beds for all the people that were suffering from SARS, but they were prefabricated structures. So I suppose basically you just level out the site, you get it all ready and then you just bring in the prefabricated sites. It's still an amazing achievement. Listen, let's not take it from it that they could build a hospital that will have a thousand bed capacity and do it in 10 days. Could we learn from the Chinese? We probably could. And actually, isn't it really worrying all the news that's coming from that uh, coronavirus? I mean, obviously, there's a big watch being put here in Ireland. There was a suspected case uh, and the the paramedics at a Dublin A&E actually went, carried out a decontamination exercise. Now it turned out the person didn't have this particular virus, but there was a bit of a panic. And I know there's, there's isn't there a suspected case in Belfast as well? I don't know whether that's been confirmed uh, or not, but it certainly is one of these huge, huge worries and the in this country, we're keeping an eye on it. You know, the our specialists in infectious diseases uh, were saying everything is done. All of the emergency department are on heightened alert for potential pa- patients, particularly anyone I think that would turn up with an A&E suffering from any flu-like symptoms who've just returned from China. I think straight away uh, suspicions will uh, set in. I mean, it does. It, I mean, it's, it's, it's already after killing so many people uh, so far and it's spreading. It started in China, but now there's been reported cases in Thailand, South Korea, Taiwan, Japan and Washington uh, is the first cases in the US. The symptoms start out as a cough, shortness of breath, breathing difficulties and fever and then in more severe cases the infection causes pneumonia, severe acute respiratory infection, kidney failure and uh, even uh, death. And of course this weekend is the Chinese New Year which is, isn't it that, isn't it the biggest movement of people in the world happens on this weekend every year as Chinese people all head to go home. And so there's obviously big panic at the moment now going on in China. And I know Wuhan, where it started out, which is like 11 million people in that city, they, they're they gone completely into lockdown and 
some other three other cities around Wuhan have all got into lockdown to try to stop the spread of it but they are keeping an eye on it here but yeah incredible to think that within 10 days they will have a facility open that will be able to cater for a thousand people. This really is remarkable. 1850 Tim, who is one of our regular contributors to the programme by way of text and he is himself an archaeologist said I throw nothing away which is rather unfair on the future archaeologists. He said for much of my student and working life I've been examining the materials which has been left behind by our ancestors over hundreds and hundreds of years. Combining with what you spoke of earlier in the programme with Marcia Dalton though I think the parish, local parishes would be the best structure to administer the scheme that Marcia, Marcia spoke about. Perhaps getting the locals of Vincent de Paul or maybe the Legion of Mary. They're organisations that could get together. Deacon, local priest could administer it and kind of have a bank of items that would be there and then people could pop along and need them and they could be of benefit then to people in the community who don't have a lot. Uh, so certainly it's something uh, Tim suggests. Certainly, I think it's a great idea because I hate, I hate, I hate to see anything go to waste. I love if I have something that I no longer need or use that I know is of use to somebody else and I certainly love to be able to uh, pass it on and that's why I mentioned the the Act of Kindness page in Mallow. It's fantastic the way things are passed on there and I'm sure that there's similar ones as well. That's just the one that I use because it's in my area but I'm sure there's similar ones of those dotted all around the county. Keep a lookout for them but in the meantime if there wasn't I think Marcia's idea certainly should. It'll be interesting to see will the council pick up pick her up on the idea or not. This is on pensions that we spoke uh, we've been speaking about on and off I think right throughout the week and this whole notion that when somebody hits the age of 65, they, their jo- if they're in a job that has to finish up, they then have to sign on for job seekers benefit, which is just, and you know, we've been hearing stories from people saying that they find it humil- humiliating. And what I didn't know was, I thought it was just a formality, you sign on and they get their money and they're not expected to look for work. But they have to go through the very same rigmarole as anyone who genuinely is unemployed, a younger person looking for work. That really shocked me. And then, of course, we discovered this week that you... Somebody who retires is guaranteed the first nine months of the payment, but then after that, it becomes means tested. That if the person has any kind of savings or maybe came in for a bit of a redundancy or there was a severance pay when they finished up work, we've heard from some people that they didn't get any money out of the dole for the last three months until they were 66 and then able to get their full pension. And of course, the reason it has become such an election issue, it goes to 67. Anyone be hitting 65 this year will not get their old age pension until they are 67. We will not know for sure until after the new government is formed whether that's going to stay in place but there's a massive campaign out there to get that uh, changed. But Sandy is pointing out uh, by text for the people that get the payment for the nine months, the one where you're guaranteed it for nine months, you may not be fully guaranteed it though if you decide to take up part-time work because it is a dole payment you're getting. Uh, He says not everyone is actually receiving the money he knows of somebody who went out and worked part-time, got a bit of work, um, earning €200, which meant then that their weekly payment was reduced and they only got €80 on the weekly uh, payment. So it's catching people as well if they go out to work. But it is a dole payment. That's the whole point of it. That's why it's interesting to hear some of the government reps saying that they're talking about a transitional payment, which you would get regardless. And that's the way it used to be uh, before the 
changes were brought in, I think it was in 2014. 1850-333-103, lines open. C103 Jobs. With Hewitt College, now enrolling for full-time fifth and sixth year and repeat Leaving Cert programmes. Your success is built on their experience. See hewittcollege.ie. Charleville Hire and Platform. They've got vacancies for a plant access fitter. Also looking for a lorry driver with a minimum of a C1 licence. An Arctic truck driver is wanted. That's a full-time position. It's based out of Tivoli in Cork. While plastering apprenticeships are available with on-the-job experience and college-based release blocks. And the Park Hotel in Clonakilty, they've got a number of vacancies. They're looking for an assistant restaurant manager, accommodation manager and night porter, accommodation porter, food and beverage uh, assistants. If you would like, you can find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln-dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie This week's Corkman newspaper is leading with the front page story that Cork County Council has refused planning permission to build a crematorium on the site of the former Johallow Park Hotel. Welcoming the refusal, Fine Gael Councillor John Paul O'Shea, uh, who joins me. Good morning to John Paul. Uh, good morning, Patricia, and good morning, listeners. Now, you actually lodged, you were one of the people who lodged an observation with the planners. Why were you so against a crematorium on this site? Well, absolutely, Patricia, because there was zero um, public consultation uh, with ourselves as public representatives uh, beforehand and even more uh, with the local people uh, involved. Um, At the time of the local area plan review, we had some uh, inquiries in relation to uh, zoning of the land uh, for a crematorium. And uh, that's when the issue came first to light. And I suppose the locals had concerns about it. They wrote to the owners of the site. And, uh, you know, there was, uh, I suppose, a indication that there was concerns in relation to that um, but lo and behold uh, no consultation happened and uh, subsequently a planning application was forwarded into Cork County Council so I made an observation on this uh, solely on the basis that uh, there was a number of items that were uh, of concern to me and of concern to the local residents uh, that needed to be sorted out before any planning uh, was uh, commenced and unfortunately during the planning process uh, either uh, nobody uh, made any contact with public representatives or uh, the locals in this matter. Okay, what what, what, what were and what are the concerns of people locally about having a crematorium on that site? Yes, well, the main reasons why it was refused is the, uh, and there was only one reason why it was refused by Cork County Council last week is that there was public health concerns uh, in relation to the proposed crematorium. Now, we've a number of crematoriums across Ireland. We've one in, in, in Ringeskiddy, uh, yes, and we've one in um, Clare and we've one in Dublin. And they're mainly based um, by the sea and uh, mainly based in non-residential areas. So there was a concern in relation to, I suppose, um, ensuring that the proper um, uh, public health concerns were addressed and, um, you know, the senior planner's report indicates that there wasn't enough evidence on the file to indicate that public health concerns uh, would be addressed as part of this application. So that's the reason why it was refused. And uh, there are also the, a serious concern would be the traffic on the site of the old former Duhallow Park Hotel, Patricia, uh, where it's actually a very narrow road. Uh, and it's a, and a, very busy, road. a very busy road as is. 
it is indeed it's a national road it's the national route from Mallow to Killarney and we have a, a huge amount of traffic on that road on a daily basis and there is no um, um, you know side lanes to pull in or turning lanes to pull in at that side and if anybody knows the Flissenshire show this morning that uh, goes to the crematorium in, in, in Cork at the moment you know it goes in a rotation of an hour and a half basis and we do have a number of people that pull in um, and the Shadagarry side waiting for the um, crematorium to be free uh, for the next uh, funeral to come down. So there is no opportunity to do that on the N72 and we, I had raised serious concerns in relation to how the traffic would be managed uh, in relation to that. So if you have one um, you know, um, uh, ceremony happening in, in the crematorium uh, in the former Dohalla Park Hotel and there's another one coming, where are they going to pull into? Where are the traffic? Uh, where's the car parking? Uh, where's the, the safety in relation to the local people and where's the safety in relation to the people that are commuting the Mallow to Clarny Road every day and that wasn't to me that wasn't properly explained either so I think there's a long way to go I must say Patricia this could be open to um um, uh, an appeal to onboard Panala as well so it's very it's very important that I suppose um, that we ha- say that as well that it could be appealed to onboard Panala um, so they, they, it, it mightn't be the end of the road yet And we have no way of knowing that until the company make the appeal do they? Because I know in the Corkman they look for a comment and couldn't get a comment from this um, company What are they? Classic Lodges Ireland? Um, yes. they, they so couldn't. Like, so so we, we won't know until onboard Panala until Yes, there's a certain time frame, Patricia, where um, the, anybody can take an appeal to board Pranada based on the Cork County Council's standing decision. Uh, so until that period is up, we don't know what it is. But I would encourage um, everybody involved in this application to come back to the local community and to engage with ourselves as public representatives and engage with the local community uh, prior uh, to any other further development in this regard. Yeah, it's, and we've seen this, John Paul, haven't we, time and time again. I mean, why do developers... Why do they not sit down and allay people's fears? I mean, is there any evidence that crematoriums are bad for the environment, for example? I was trying to see if I could find any studies that, that have been conducted. Uh, well, the, the guidelines that I think the Cork County Council is working on is based on uh, English guidelines. There isn't any guidelines available here okay. in Ireland. Uh, so they're working on UK guidelines and there's clear guidelines there uh, that must be adhered to and that's what the County Council planners have been working on. Uh, but certainly, Patricia, anything in relation to, um, a, how to say, an unusual type development because crematoriums isn't something you'd see coming through the planning system every single week. Yeah. This is a very unique development that's taking place in Johalla. And, you know, this site is the Brownfield site. It was, a, it was the site of the former Duhalla Park Hotel and the same company has a planning permission to build a 38 bedroom hotel with a number of chalets outside it that just ran out of planning uh, last August. Um, so like, you know, that site is a very valuable site. Uh, I would like to see some development on that site personally myself because I think it would be a great site for uh, employment opportunities in the area. But I certainly think we need to make sure that whatever development is, is, will happen on that site, that we need appropriate consultation with the local community uh, prior to that and certainly a, a, a planning application for something like a crematorium needs to have wider public consultation to the wider North Cork area uh, to ensure that whatever planning application comes through it will be of benefit to everybody involved. Do you think North Cork needs a crematorium? No, well, not necessarily on that spot but do, do we need a crematorium? 
Well, I certainly think if you uh, if you uh, look at, I suppose the the way things are going, um, you know, a lot of people, a lot more people are being cremated now than than than, than been buried. Um, Patricia, so there is a requirement for us to increase um, the crematorium capacity uh, in the countryside. But if you look at Francis Brennan, who came down to the Minster Country Park uh, as part of his show, and he recommended uh, that it would be an ideal site uh, for a crematorium. If you remember that program, I do, I do, back. yeah, and um, and it so would be, it would be an ideal site. So there's a, there's ample opportunities I think in the area for us to to look at that and certainly um you know I believe um, my colleagues in County Kerry County Council were uh, inquiring recently in relation to Columbarian walls which is uh, where you would uh, dispose of the ashes or place the ashes in a safe along the walls of a cemetery uh, Patricia and that's something that we need to progress the local authorities as well so when people get cremated that they need to place the ashes in some form or fashion uh, in a place that is sacred and I think we need to progress that as the local authorities as well. Actually, 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 just on that point, that was something I was not aware of until I read that piece in the paper, that in Kerry County Council, uh, you're not, they have no facility for ash-only internments in the graveyard. And they were saying that it, there are other, in other counties, most graveyards do not, facility, do not facilitate ash-only cemeteries or the burial of, of ashes only. Do we in Cork County facilitate that? Yeah. We have one, Patricia, and I think it's very important it's supposed to be do progress others. And I think it's based in the south side of Cork. And uh, so it's not in my area in the North Cork area. But certainly, Patricia, we've seen more and more people that are being cremated now and that are subsequently being buried in the family plot, which is fine in the graveyard. But some people don't have a family plot and they'd like to have themselves still put in a sacred place, be it in a graveyard or whatever. So we have uh, uh, there is a Columbarian wall in the Glass Nevin Cemetery, for example, yeah, in Dublin, yeah. which is a very, very popular one. And you know, uh, people come there and show their respects. A lot of people don't like to have uh, the ashes remain at home or remain uh, in the in the family home or whatever. They like to have it in a sacred place in the graveyard. So I think as a local authority, uh, we need to be prepared to, uh, I suppose, progress those initiatives, uh, particularly one in North Park and particularly one in South and West as well. Okay, I love the idea from Galway County Council. They're piloting um, an urn tower memorial vault. They're doing it in one of their graveyards and the idea is the vault allows for the ashes of the deceased to be placed inside uh, and then it can be extended to hold other urns of other family members. I thought that was nice. Keep all the family together if crem- cremation is, is is the way you want it. Okay, just back to the uh, back to the the one at the the one that's not going ahead now at the moment at the Johanna Park Hotel. Somebody says, how did the traffic manage when it was a hotel? Yes, but you know, I suppose the, the, the traffic would be, um, I suppose, very different in terms of a hotel. Uh, when it would, um, I suppose, for the funeral, you'd have, uh, a, 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 I suppose, an increase in traffic all in one time, uh, whereas in the hotel, it would be a constant stream of traffic during the day. So, like, what was asked of the county council, what was asked of the company from Cork County Council was display in relation to how they were going to manage a funeral or a, cre- a cremation in relation to, I suppose, increased traffic all at the one time, because, you know, yourself, just from attending funerals, Funerals, uh, there is probably 50, 60, maybe 100 cars following a funeral and they must be accommodated very quickly into a, a churchyard or into um, etc. So like I mean the, the rationale behind that was to ensure that I suppose there was appropriate traffic management in place and what we can see is we can see traffic backed 
uh, right back to Ballymacquarie Cross, where there's a huge uh, safety issue at the moment in relation to Ballymacquarie Cross, or we can't have it uh, back towards uh, the Mallow side either, where there's 50 or 60 cars waiting to queue up to the road. Into. Just uh, the road um, simply can't take it. And there isn't mm. there isn't a, a by lane in this area, and there isn't um, a filter lane, as we call it, which is uh, uh, people can pull into a particular lane to pull into the hotels. There hasn't been in place, and the old Duhalla Park Hotel was in place uh, for a very long time and was in an era there, there wasn't a lot of traffic so I suppose we're now at 2020 so if there's a new business going in we have to have proof and evidence that they can accommodate the traffic flow a lot of the time when I go to a cremation etc down in uh, in South Cork in the, in the crematorium down there at the moment we do see that there's uh, people pulled in and families pulled in in the Shanagari side waiting for a free space in the crematorium oh, uh, to, to ensure it is. So where's that going to happen here in, in North Cork? There's, no, there's nowhere we, for it to happen. We, All we right. don't have a lay okay. place from and we, and uh, we wait. To, to Park we, we wait now to see will the developer uh, appeal to on board Panola. Okay, listen, John Paul, we leave it there. Thank you for that. And Thank uh, you, uh, thanks. Good morning. Uh, good morning to you. And in the interest of balance and fairness, because as we know, Councillor John Paul O'Shea is running for Dáil Aaron in the Cork Northwest a constituency for the Fine Gael party. The other candidates running in that area, Andreas Moynihan is running for Fianna Fáil. Michael Creed running for Fine Gael. Sean O'Leary is running as an independent, running for the Social Democrats. Kieran McCarthy, Michael Moynihan is running for Fianna Fáil. Colette Finn is the Green Party representative. Becky Keeley is running for Ian Two. And the final name on the ballot paper is Tar- Tara Nigonal, who is running for the Irish Freedom Party, all running in the Cork Northwest constituency. Cork today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Short Castle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln dried wood, and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie. Hey, it's Simon. Have a brilliant weekend. Get the feet up, take some time to relax and I'll see you here bright and early again on Monday morning where I've got €1,100 Euro to give away. Oh my God, I can't believe it. Oh my Jesus, my legs <laughs> Getting you out of bed with Cork's greatest hits, help you with that nasty Monday morning traffic and giving you all things Cork. First thing from 6. C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. And just a couple of comments in on the crematorium, which has been turned down for a planning application by Cork County Council. But nothing to say that the developer now won't won't appeal that to on board uh, Planola. Mary says, Patricia, a lot of cremations are family only. So traffic Mary Fields would not be an issue. Hopefully it'll get the go ahead as it's badly needed to keep up the good work, says Mary. Um, that's a good point, actually. You don't... A lot of cremations, people, it's only the very close family will go, you know, family and very close friends that will go. Certainly, I think the same numbers don't turn up at cremations, say, that would turn out turn up at a traditional burial. So you could have a point in that, Mary, the traffic mightn't be as busy, even though John Paul O'Shea was saying he's seen it down in Ring of Skiddy. He's seen people and families queuing to get into the crematorium down, down there. So he's saying if it's a problem down there and they have slip roads to take the additional traffic, they certainly don't have it in North Cork is his problem. And someone else says you can have up to 300 people at a wedding. How come the hotel was able to cope in the past? 
can't understand why I wouldn't be able to cope with cremations. But I think John Paul was making the point that it would be every day cremations would be happening, well, Monday to Friday. I don't know if they if it happens on Saturday. And it's an, an hour and a half block, so there would be so many of them happening every day, Monday to Friday. Whereas a wedding, you probably have, when it was up and running as a hotel, they probably only had a wedding on a Saturday, maybe two a week at the very most. And again, people coming to a wedding don't have a tendency to all arrive en masse. It's more staggered than, say, if they were coming to a funeral. 1850 Now I'm a huge fan of flash mobs so I was delighted to read that a flash mob dance has been organised by the Cork Sexual Violence Centre and to explain why and when it's all going ahead I'm joined by Mary Crilly, Director at the Centre Good morning to you Mary Morning Patricia, thank you uh, Well I hope you have your dancing shoes on it's I have, the, now, I've been practising Now this sounds like a great bit of fun but, but the, uh, you're actually using the day to highlight an important message as well in 2012, like globally, Eve Ensler, who would have written a play years ago called The Vagina Monologue, came up with the idea of highlighting the fact that there's three billion women in the world and one billion would be raped or beaten in their lifetime, which is a horrific kind of fact. It really is, if you look at it straight on, you nearly feel like despairing. Sometimes I feel overwhelmed by the figures, but I'm also aware that there's so many good people in the world, so many amazing people who want to do something to highlight it. So this is a way of highlighting it. There's a flash mob globally, you know, around the world um, on the 14th, 15th of February. We're going to do it on the 15th of February in Patrick Street. And there's this song that Tina Clark wrote. It's called Break the Chains. And it's a very boppy kind of a song. You know, if you get to play it someday, it's really good. People love it. So it really is just a flash mob. People getting together, dancing. We have great T-shirts. And it's not... um, been flippant about what's happening or not minimising the abuse but just kind of celebrating people's survival and celebrating people's lives and just highlighting it so that's what it's about one billion rising How many people are you hoping will attend? You know me I'd love loads but in reality (laughs) if we had hundreds I'd be astonished I'd be fascinated We did it last year outside the Opera House I think we had about 40 um, but it was a quiet kind of area so we're going to do it in Patrick Street on the 15th at 2pm. And, you know, we have two amazing people, Andre and Inma, who are both dance teachers who are helping us with dance. And they've made it so simple um, that anybody could join in on the day. They're making it in a way that people don't feel awkward, don't feel threatened by it, don't feel I'll never get the steps. It's very easy. So even people came along on the day. But in the meanwhile, we're having rehearsals every Thursday evening at 6 o'clock in the centre or at 3pm in a place called Blue Fitness in the Cadbury Street on a Sunday just to give people an idea of what it's about. Yeah, because I think if people have the moves and have the steps they will be more encouraged to uh, take involved. And comes up to me now I'm uh, going to do a Mallow next year if you take part. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and the 15th I've just it. checked the 15th is a Saturday isn't it? So, it which is, is yeah, that's, that's, it, yeah. that's yeah. A, a good day to, to, to get, to get everybody out. I reckon you know, if people are coming into town that have come in, the, you know, whatever they do with the kids in the morning might be sorted or whatever. We were trying to take a time that would be open, that people would be around. So 2pm on Saturday the 15th. And hopefully a lot of young people will yeah. get involved uh, as well. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's fantastic. Listen, we wish you luck with it. Um, okay, and just to, while, while I have you on the line, I spoke on Monday with Nolene Blackwell. And now we were getting, we were picking her legal head on the, the sex for free rent offer by the Cork landlord. Is that something you would have been aware of before it and is, Murphy started writing about yeah. it in the echo? You would? It is, yeah. You know, where we'd often kind of say to girls, don't go there. Um, you know, it might seem like very easy. It might seem like, God, I've no money, I'll have a place. But, you know, I think for, for us as a crime, Noelle, Noelle probably said that to you, which she is did, yeah. changes in legislation. 
Um, I just think it's horrific that these men exploit these young women and young men. I say young men are involved as well, are, are drawn into as well in this kind of way. I think as society, we have to stand up and look at the way these young people are being treated. The same way, you know, the organisation here would be looking at, you know, women or young boys in prostitution, the way, you know, selling any kind of body just isn't on, it's not appropriate, it's not right, it's not ethical, it's not moral in any kind of way. But yes, we would have come across that where people are drawn into it and think it's going to be a good idea, it's going to be great, but it's not. I mean, what... Like, let's get real. If there was a night where your landlord was coming over saying, okay, this is your night, oh, and you're feeling God. really sick and you're not able, um, what happens then? It's just awful. And, awful. and my bigger fear, uh, Mary, would be someone who is in a rented accommodation and gets into either gets into difficulty, maybe loses their job or their hours get cut or the, 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 the landlord wants to up the rent and the person can't afford it and then the offer is made and people are, are in fear of where will I live if I don't take this Absolutely, off? absolutely. And, that's, that, and the whole homelessness issue comes in and the whole reality of the rent that people are expected to pay and the reality of people's lives. It's just horrific the way they're exploiting it. And then if somebody is seen like this, like let's get real in this society. If a young girl is sexually active or is, you know, taking part in that kind of situation, she's seen as fair game. Like, so he's going to say, well, I have a buddy now who... You know, you haven't paid your rent, so do my buddy as well. Oh, my God. This is the way these people operate. Most men in the world don't operate like this. But we need Most we need more of do. those those women, young women, they're not, they mightn't always just be young women, women of all ages, to speak out and, and to call it out for what it is. And we need the really good men in the world to call it out if they know their friends are offering this and this is what they're about. We need the young men on the streets who are kind of see their friends kind of groping people up Washington Street at night time to call it out. And if their pal who has letting out houses who's doing this, we need them to call it out as well. And just think if this is your daughter who was living in a country and couldn't cope and had no money and was trying to get through college or something and somebody offers this, how do you feel? We all as society need to call it out. Okay. All right, Mary, listen, good luck with your flash mob and thank you for joining us on the programme. Good morning. Keep a lookout for that on the 15th of February on Patrick Street. It sounds like it's going to be a really, really fun event, a flash mob dance. If you can get involved at all, uh, please do. I've been asked to call out a cancellation. It came in by text earlier and I want to do it now for fear that I forget it because it's from Ballinascarthy, uh, a little gorgeous little village with some of the nicest, most decent people you can meet in the world uh, live in and around Ballinascarthy. They're, they're a great bunch and they're a great community and I know they'll rally around both the McCarthy family and uh, Cameron Blair's uh, family, particularly this uh, weekend. Uh, Margaret Fitzgerald has been on. She's the PRO for Gagan ICA, which would be very close to Ballinascarthy, uh, to say that they're cancelling their tea dance there was a tea dance due to be held on Sunday and because of the two bereavements in Bannascarthy as a kind of a mark of respect they have decided to cancel their tea dance so um, no problem giving that a mention for you Margaret so that's the tea dancing gagan this Sunday not now going ahead we will talk movies with Mark Malone in the next hour and we will also catch up with a number of your calls and comments coming into the programme that's all coming up You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed 
Now, some of your comments still coming in about the crematorium and in particular the fact that Cork County Council have decided not to grant planning permission for a crematorium on the site of the old Duhallow Park Hotel. Someone is suggesting, well, about the old super dump, the super dump that was to be at Bottle Hill. Would that not be a super site for a crematorium? They certainly would have the road network the road infrastructure for sure if it's if even though that's not the only reason that the Cork County Council have turned down the crematorium for Duhallow it isn't just because of the extra traffic that's going to be on the road they're more into the environmental uh, side of it but somebody is suggesting that maybe Bottle Hill because lots of people are saying we need another crematorium in Cork because we only have the one and we certainly need another one. And thank you to somebody when I was saying is there a crematorium in Kerry because the issue in Kerry has come up. A lot of people from Kerry are obviously having their loved ones cremated. The big issue the people in County Kerry have is they've no place to place the ashes. They don't have what's called a a columbarium, which is a, a special Special, it's not a graveyard as such, a, a columbarium, but it's a place where people can put their ashes and they don't have one of those in Kerry, in Kerry County Council. It was raised recently in uh, Kerry uh, because family members are keeping their loved ones' ashes in cupboards and in presses. And uh, somebody's saying there isn't a crematorium in Kerry. The nearest one would be the one in Cork. Our people go to uh, Shannon as well. And actually on that whole issue of what do you do with the ashes, somebody said a lot of people put their ashes in an existing family grave. Yes, they do. I mean, that's certainly... I know my own uh, late mother, God be good to her, but died back in 1991. Seems like a lifetime ago now. And in other ways, it doesn't seem that long ago. When she was cremated, that's what we did. We buried her with in the family plot where my dad is buried. That's where we buried her ashes. But the point that John Paul O'Shea was making when I asked him, is that also an issue for Cork? Because more people are opting for cremation. He said that not everybody has um, a family plot. It's OK if you have a family plot. And there is a cost to opening the family plot, even to put the little urn urn in. There's still a cost attached to that. But not everybody has a family plot, and I suppose people would see that as an additional expense if they paid for the cremation and you know the whole funeral ceremony. And then suddenly, with an urn, they want an, an urn buried in the ground, and they it, they would come with a cost. But um, it's worth pointing out as well because somebody else was asking about this: what's the what's the church's teachings on what you should do with your ashes uh, afterwards? Pope Francis came out a couple of years ago. Where my, oh, it was 2016, thank you. He recognised the growing demand for cremation within the Catholic Church worldwide. So Pope Francis approved a directive that the ashes of baptised Catholics should be placed in consecrated cemeteries rather than scattered are kept at home. I didn't realise that. So the Pope is against people keeping their loved ones at home. But the problem that the good people of Kerry have is they have no place. They don't have consecrated ground. They have no place. If they don't have a family plot, they have no place to bring them. So it's an issue, as I say. While we in Cork are looking for a spot for what looks like a second crematorium, the good people of Kerry have no place to place their ashes. OK, also coming in on this, people are still bringing up about the argument of the traffic and people are saying it's wrong. That's a, that's not the, that's an, it's a wrong argument to talk about the traffic. Lots of people are pointing out that for cremations, any cremations that people have been to, it's usually a very private affair. There's usually a very small number, just the immediate family and just a handful of small friends will attend crematoriums. Probably because, I mean, the one down in Ring of Skiddy, I've been to I've been to a cremation down there. It's not a very big place, and the one I went to was just again. It was literally just family members uh, attended, 
So maybe that's the reason that not many attend because the crematoriums by their nature are not very big places. Could that be it? I, I don't know. Whereas if you want to go along to somebody's funeral, to the burial part, you're going into a cemetery and there they can take much bigger numbers. So I don't know if that's the reason that less people attend a cremation or not. But people anyway, a number of people are, are bringing up that point that using the traffic argument is crazy because they're not as big as funerals. Jurors making that point. They're not as big as funerals so you wouldn't have as many people. So, but then John Paul O'Shea was saying it's the numbers of them. If there's one every hour and a half, would you have had three or four in the morning and the same again in the afternoon? Is it, is it, it's if one runs over and then the other people are outside waiting to get in kind of thing. I think that's the argument that he certainly was putting forward. Elizabeth said, I don't, Elizabeth from Kenturk, living in the area, I don't understand why traffic would be a concern. Surely you can drive in and around the building and not everyone will be parking out on the road. Uh, either way, have signs up warning people that there's a concealed entrance. You see those signs all over the place. I don't necessarily think they're talking about people parking off on the side of the road. They're talking about people going into you know, you you assume that the crematorium would be built and there would be loads of parking spaces. So it would, would be people coming from, say, the Cork side, driving, driving along, and then they'd have to turn right to go in to the site across the other stream of traffic. And I suppose that's what people are saying. There would be a backlog of traffic. Could you put a roundabout in there? Somebody else is saying where there is a will, there is a way. Michael Amalo said, did anybody ever think about putting a crematorium onto the site of the old sugar factory in Mallow. Could that not be another use for that site? And again, that would be a little bit like what somebody was saying, Bottle Hill and Francis Brennan, the hotelier, when he was saying, when he went to take a look at Mill Street Country Park, that sadly is, is closed since he was saying he saw Mill Street Country Park as a great place for a crematorium and that he could use the facilities at the time that was there, you know, the little cafeteria that you had and the, you know, they could serve food you know, there was other things that they could do with it but again they're they're away from any residential areas even though some will say Duhallow the old Duhallow Park Hotel is not in, in the middle of a huge residential area it's, it's out in a rural area as well but the old sugar factory now is another place that's been put forward if we need to have a second crematorium for Cork and it does look like because of more people going down the route of cremation. It does look like we simply don't have enough crematoriums in this country. Thank you for your calls and comments on that. Let me leave that one there and move on. 1850 We were talking about civic community sites and we're talking about this great suggestion, I think, that Councillor Marcia Dalton has come up with that there be a depot some kind of a, a space at every civic amenity site it needs to be teased out a little bit but you can bring your pre-loved item something that you no longer use at home but you think somebody might get a use out of it you could drop it off leave it here and then other people could call in and take a look and see what's available and if they think it's of use to them then they can take it away and get all upcycling and all of that and recycling and anything that stops items going for landfill are going into an incinerator has got to be welcomed and at least looked at. We were constantly talking about the environment and what we need to do about the environment. So any of these suggestions, we just need to tease them out, look at them, see can it work, how does it work, is there, you know, is, it, is there already a sort of a system in place and it does seem there's this kind of an ad hoc system seems to be already in place in some of the civic community sites and that was even recognised by Marcia Dalton. But Colm said he goes to the civic, he lives in Botswana so he goes, he's nearest civic community site, he goes to the one in Kilmallock and he said they had a number of skips 
you know, marked with things like cans and bottles and all of the different uh, items and others would have timber or others would have electrical items. Now, Colm says over the years he has taken timber the odd time. Now, I don't know what he was doing with the timber, but he was using he had some use for it. And another time he said he was looking for a lead for his computer and he couldn't get the particular lead that he was looking for for his computer anywhere. Tried various shops. Maybe it was an old computer. I don't know, but he couldn't get it. Lo and behold, didn't, wasn't he out of the Civic Amenity site in Kilmallock and didn't he spot a computer, same computer as his, with the exact same lead and he took home the lead. Happy days. However, recently, he said a sign has gone up saying no scavengers. They don't want people taking things out of the skip anymore. Now, he's not sure why. He's not sure is it because those that are recycling are taking the items rather than members of the general public. But he found it very handy. But it wouldn't make a difference who's taking the items, whether it's people who regularly go in with their recycled items are taking a look. And if they see something that they can use, they're taking taking it away. As long as it's going to be used and get, you know, get another use out of it. I don't see any reason. But anyway... He says a sign went up uh, saying no scavengers. Has that gone up in other civic amenity sites? Because everybody seems to have stories of seeing people take something away from a civic amenity site. Are the workers leaving items that they know are really good rather than having them broken up and sent away? They sort of leave them to the side. So if people think, oh, that's a little stool, I could use that or that's a chair I could use rather than the timber being chopped up and go for recycling, you know, people could take away the item. But that's just, as I say, it's done as an, on an ad hoc basis by the staff themselves. So has anybody, has anybody been to the other civic community sites? We know it's in Kilmallock, anywhere else, where there's a sign saying no scavengers, where the staff and obviously Cork County Council are trying to get people not to take any of the items that have been dropped off by somebody else. 1850 Chris from the Save the Weir campaign in Formoy uh, has been on to us to say they are doing a leaflet drop and I'm assuming around the town of Formoy and it's on the leaflet drop as a call to action for the Weir in Formoy. But the reason that he's mentioned it to us is he wants to get the point across to people that this is a non-political leaflet drop. There is no political party involved in it, but, but obviously they're doing it at the same time as an election. What they're hoping with this information and putting this into the people's mind and reminding people that there is this campaign to save the weir in Formoy, that when candidates call to your door and you're in the Formoy area, that you might bring up the issue of the weir and make sure that the candidates know that it is an issue that affects people in the Fomoy area. But Chris just wants to let people know that they're doing that leaflet, leaflet drop. I don't know if they've already begun it or they're going to be doing it over the weekend. Um, and he just wants to make make people aware of it. But it's not non-political. He's at pains to point that out. It's non-political. But please, he's saying to people, when a candidate calls to your door in the run-up to election, you're in the Fomoy area, Will you please remember the weir? Because that story certainly has not gone away. 1850-333-103. Mossy in West Cork says, Patricia, he was listening to me talking about what's going on in China and how they're shutting everything down. 11 million people in Wuhan, in the city where it started, are basically on lockdown. Mossy says... There's a lockdown going on in China with this virus, with 30 people having died from it. However, at least 45 people have died, have passed away in Ireland from flu in a much smaller country than China. It doesn't get the same coverage here. Thanking you, says uh, Massey. 
Oh, yeah, there has been media reports. Unfortunately, the flu every year, the flu kills people. I think what's going on in China is very different with this virus because it's the way it's spreading as well. But the flu, you're right, uh, Massey, the flu does kill people every year. And that's why the call goes out and the media certainly gets involved with it to try to tell people to get the flu vaccine. And it's still, I was only re- reading a piece over the, during the week. It's still not too late if you haven't had your, your, flu, your flu shot to get it. And no, the flu vaccine will not give you the flu. And I know everyone will anecdotally have a story of, oh, I know somebody was fine, got the flu vaccine and the next day they were in bed with the flu. That's just an absolute and complete coincidence. The flu vaccine will not give you the flu. There are absolutely lots and lots of medical research out there to prove that it doesn't give you the flu. So it's still not too late if you haven't had it yet. And Tim in Yall, we have a couple of Tim's contacts on the programme, but Tim in Yall always puts Yall after his name as opposed to Tim the architect or the archaeologist our other Tim who regularly texts us this is Tim and y'all this is on the ongoing issue of the pension he says isn't it ironic that the Labour Party were the party in government when they introduced the extension on the pension age back in 2011 remember it was Joan Burton at the time was the Minister for Social Welfare and now SIP2 are running this campaign and it's a campaign called to stop 67 it's to try to get them to reverse putting the old age pension until people can get their state pension until until 67. Tim and Yaw finds the irony of this because the Labour Party is strongly affiliated to the trade union movement so he thinks it's all a bit ironic. Actually I know I was talking to John Paul in the office before we came on air and, and that SIP2 campaign which really is gaining attention and momentum and there's a lot of other groups are rowing in with SIP2 to try to do that Stop 67 uh, campaign uh, and I know we were talking about tr- trying to get on to SIP2 and, and maybe doing something about it next week we just didn't get a chance to get to it this week so maybe something that hopefully we'll be able to cover next week on the programme Now I'm looking for your thoughts and comments on this please This is to do with confirmations and children going to church for their confirmation and the big family day out the confirmations and holy communions have become and everybody it's an opportunity I think for families to get together and people sometimes hold parties they might go out for a meal or they might have a party back in the house and everybody gets very spruced up and everybody gets very dressed up and it can be a lovely day out well I received an email earlier in the week from a listener who doesn't want me to call out their name which is fine except to say that they are a parent of a child who is due for confirmation in the Liscarroll Church Time area this year. And this year, Liscarroll Church Town, if you want to go along to the confirmation, it's a ticket only affair. The parent says, imagine grandparents and family members who have travelled to be a part of the event being told they can't uh, be present at their grandchild's confirmation. So imagine every child will get two tickets and be told who do you want to pick to be in the church on the special day. Please don't read out my name as my child is getting uh, confirmation I don't want to be identified. And what happened then was a letter went around to all of the parents guardians of the children who are in its fifth and sixth class combined and I, I read it says it's an exciting time in the parish as the pupils of fifth and sixth in both Churchtown and Lascar National Schools prepare for the Sacrament of Confirmation which is happening on Wednesday February the 12th. We have over 70 pupils to be confirmed so we're very conscious that space will be limited in the church 
in the church. The church holds approximately 300 people. Therefore, for safety reasons, it'll not be possible to have more than two family members in the church, along with the pupil making their confirmation and their sponsor. Should you wish to have more family members at the ceremony, Liscarroll National School will have a room set up with a TV screen to allow the ceremony to be viewed in the school. Invitations will be sent out shortly to each family to be assured of two places in the church for the family members and that can be the parents, the guardians, the siblings, the grandparents, it's up to the families who they decide who's going to come into the church and then obviously the child and the child's sponsors. It is imperative they say that the invitations are brought along with you on confirmation day to ensure that you can get into the church. So this this parent uh, is not happy with it, just not happy with it at all. And we got on to Liscarra National School they put us on to Father Robin Morrissey, who is because the obviously the school say it was the church made this decision. And Father Robin spoke to John Paul and, you know, laid it out as is laid out in that note that went home and said they have a problem that the church can only hold 30. And he actually says there's 75 pupils are making are making their confirmation. So you multiply 75 by 4 and the church is full. That is the 300. And he says they will have a marquee outside the church with a few in. So they're basically going to extend the church. Um, they said that they can't have the church totally packed with everybody standing at the back and at the door because they said, if God forbid, what if something went wrong and you needed to get somebody out of the church? We then put it, would it be possible to have... Liscarroll National School on their own or Churchtown National School on their own if there's that many making it could they have two confirmation days instead and he tells us it was it would be up to the bishop if they had separate confirmations and that would depend on the availability of the priests as well and the reason that there's so many making confirmation in these two rural schools the confirmation only takes place every two years but he said they are talking about going with confirmation every year and that obviously would reduce the numbers because I take it if with 75, there's, it's probably made up of 30 odd in each in fifth and the same in sixth, the numbers. So they may, if they have, I don't know what's the numbers in the schools coming up along, you know, coming up. I mean, they know, they, you know, they'll know how many is in first class, how many of those are going to be in five years time are going to be in sixth class. So whether they could do it like that. So they are looking at that is a suggestion. But for this year, they're saying there's nothing else they can do. It's kind of a health and safety uh, issue. But I'm just interested in people's thoughts. I, You know, I could understand where the priest, where Father Robin was coming from with this one. Uh, and it also got us thinking in the office that God knows on most Sundays that little church that seats 300, how many would be in that church most Sundays for Mass? And yet suddenly when there's the First Holy Communion uh, there's a confirmation, they're hanging out of the rafters uh, to get in, which must be a tad annoying for the priests and for the people in the parish who regularly attend. But I suppose that's an aside. But anyway, I we said because this parent contacted us and is, is very annoyed about it and I'm assuming has grandparents who are a bit upset that they're not going to get to see their grandchild making his or her communion or confirmation. So I'm just wondering, I don't know if this happens in many other rural schools where there is only a small church and they're limited on the numbers that they can take and I don't know if other churches and schools have gone down this route of handing out tickets to the children making their confirmation and saying, there you go, you're only allowed to. And if there's a mammy and a daddy, that means that none of the siblings are going to get into the church, the grannies and granddads, not to mention the aunts and the uncles and godparents and all of that. So your thoughts welcomed on that. Can you see where 
the priest is coming from on this? Have you an understanding of it? Is the parent who's contacted us being a bit unreasonable, expecting that children could be allowed to bring as many as they want into the church that you really do have to limit when you have such a small church. Your thoughts welcomed 1850 333 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. The AGM of Clonakilty Special Olympics Club that's been held tonight 7 o'clock in the Donovan's Hotel it'll be followed by their Christmas party and a disco bingo is on tonight in Kildallery Community Hall that's at half past 8 while Ahakira Drama Group are staging their play The Real McCoy that's on tonight at 8 in uh, Ahakira Community Centre more chances to see this play next Sunday at 3 in the afternoon and again next Friday night the National Council for the Blind are looking for volunteers for their charity shop in Dunmanwe. Could you spare a few hours? If so, can you contact Lynn at 87 Clyde Rovers, GAA. Their lotto draw is on in Derry Murphy's bar tonight. Jackpot is 4000 550 euro and your last chance to see Alice in Panterland at Fromoy Community Youth Centre this weekend performances right across the weekend with the final matinee performance next Sunday you can contact the Community Youth Centre on Ash Key uh, about times and tickets Court today on C103 with a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go Shortcastle Street Mallow Smokeless Coal Turf Gas and Kiln Dried Wood open late 7 days lowcostfuel.ie Never felt so good C103, the River Lee and the Echo bring you the Cork City Sports Athletics Award. Every month a panel of sporting experts will give recognition to an outstanding Cork athlete. This month's award goes to Stephanie Cotter from West Muskerry AC. Stephanie is recognised for securing a bronze medal in the under 23 race at the European Cross Country Championships in Lisbon. The Cork City Sports Athletics Award with the River Lee, the Echo and C103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And John's seeing as we've been speaking about cremations and ashes and what you do with your ashes and the Pope saying that you should, the ashes of baptised Catholics should go on consecrated ground. John says, Patricia, how does one know that one is getting the right ashes after a cremation? I suppose a lot of it goes down to trust. I did see a documentary on it once and uh, as each cremation happens the ashes are collected and, and then obviously labelled and all of that Do, has there been mix-ups I mean how would you ever know I mean you know I, I suppose trust a lot of it is completely and absolutely down to uh, trust the okay a couple of people on the civic community sites and places where you could if you wanted to drop off something that was Someone else could use the suggestion of a kind of a depot for pre-loved items coming in from uh, Marcia Dalton. Breathe in Mill Street said, we did have a place in Mill Street at one time for those good items, but it was stopped for some reason. And that's what a number of people are saying to us, including the one in Kilmallock, the con telling us a sign has gone up saying no scavengers, which is kind of a, a mean enough word to use. But anyway, it's putting people off taking anything. And Dan says, they're stopping people searching in skips at the civic immunity sites. Why? In case 
somebody falls in and what would happen then? They'll put a claim in. I, do you know something? I was thinking that as well. I was wondering, was it down to health and safety? Are the council fearful? The council have to protect themselves everywhere they turn because they are getting sued left, right and centre. And it would be just like something, wouldn't it? Somebody trying to lean into a skip and they slip and they cut themselves and then they'll be before the courts and God knows how much that they'll get from uh, from the case. So that's probably, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming if we sent an email off to Cork County Council, I would be nearly 99% sure they'll come back and say health and safety. And maybe somebody has already put a claim in. Uh, who knows? And Kate says, Patricia, the boys below in the spa road in Mallow, and I, I, I'm assuming that's Munster Waste you're talking about. They're excellent to source out reusable items. I take my rubbish bag there weekly. And says, Kate, I've got several items from them. Thanking you. Well done. So they're doing their bit to upcycle items as well. Patricia, bingo at the Middleton Pavilion is on tonight as usual, says Marion. Would you give it a mention there? I've done it for you. And on the pupils from Liscarroll and Churchtown National Schools, fifth and sixth class will be making their confirmation in a couple of weeks' time. And they've been, the parents have been told they are only entitled to bring two people into the church. They'll get tickets. It's a ticketed affair because the church is too small. The churches literally will only take 300 people. The others, though, aren't, can go to Liscara National School where they're going to put up a big screen and they can watch it there instead. Eileen and Clonakilty says, Patricia, it's the Bouncy Castle Catholics that are making a misery for those who attend services every weekend. Preference should be given to those who actually know what to do when they attend Mass regularly at these communions and confirmations and not just to show up for the big show twice in four years. That parish priest is absolutely right to protect his church building, the children and himself, says Eileen in Clannacilty, who is 100% behind the Father Robin Morrissey, the priest in Liscara. Thank you for that, Eileen in Clan and Tim in Bandon. Communion confirmation. Why should children bring why should children bring as many as they want to the church? It should just be the siblings, the parents and the grandparents. There's no need for any more, says Tim. Abandoned. But Tim, in this particular case, with over 70 children making their confirmation, if you you went down your thinking and you allowed each child to bring two parents, four, they're lucky enough to have four grandparents alive and then maybe two or three siblings, there literally would be too many. The church only takes 300. There's 75 children between the two schools, 5th and 6th class. So there's four classes making it 75. So if you multiply 75 by 4, your church is full. They really, I can, I actually can see where the, the church is coming, where the priest is coming from. They need to keep it safe and I'm assuming he's basing this on what's happened in previous years where too many people turned up came to the church and everybody was packed down the back and he's just afraid something went wrong and you needed to get somebody out of the church quickly or God forbid there was a fire inside in the church. Could you imagine the panic? 1850 We're going to take a break and we're back talking movies with Mark Malone. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln-dried wood and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie <laughs> Simon's Celebrity Sees. Guess the celebs to grab the cash. On C103. Monica, just give me the full three names there. Deirdre O'Kane, Jonathan Rees-Morris and Larry Mullen. Monica, you've won 3,000 euros! You're, 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 you
the day we had a jackpot worth 3,000 euro and Monica, you absolutely nailed it. Oh, oh my God, thank you ever so much, Simon. I, I can't believe it. I'm shaking. Simon Celebrity Sees. Play weekday mornings on Cork's More Music Breakfast. On C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. And our movie reviewer Mark Malone joins us over the phone this week. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. Now, you went to the movies to watch a movie called Jojo Rabbit. And we're going to take a quick trailer from Jojo Rabbit. Audiences are cheering Taika Waititi's Jojo Rabbit. It's pointless and stupid. Exactly. Wait, no. It's satirical brilliance. If there's one thing that could stop our known for, it's our sense of humor. Five stars. That's impossible. Believe it, brother. There's no other film quite like it. God help me. It's a dazzling achievement. It's time to burn some books. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Jojo Rabbit. I meant we'd need dogs, not actual German shepherds. Now, I had to do a double take on this movie because this is obviously a movie set in the Second World War. Um, it features the likes of Adolf Hitler, and yet it's a comedy. Well, it's a satire. I mean, that's something you've got to, you know, keep Black in mind. Black comedy. Very much so, yeah. Okay. With with light overtones, very much light overtones. I mean, it basically is a comedy, but it's a comedy satire. Um, it's based on a book by uh, Christine Lennon's, which I haven't uh, read, but apparently her novel was a little bit more serious. Uh, but uh, Taika Waititi really wanted to, to get his hands on th- this novel for a very long time and make it, but he couldn't because he didn't really have the clout in Hollywood until he made uh, Thor Ragnarok, which made the studios an awful lot of money. So he went to them and said, look, I've made you all this money, let me make this film. I wanted to make it for a very long time. And they, when I presume when they asked what's it about, he said, oh, well, it's, a, it's a satire on the, on the Holocaust. And it would be interesting to have seen the face of the man who decided to, uh, you know, go ahead and, and make this film. Pretty and, hard sell. Indeed, you would think so, yeah. But I mean, we've had uh, kind of Nazi satires in the past uh, before. You know, you had the producers with Mel Brooks and you had um, uh, Life is Beautiful, the uh, Robert Benigni film. So we've done this before. Um, maybe this one is just a little bit different 
in the fact that it's very, very complicated, but it's very, very beautifully done. It's written and directed by uh, by Taika, who also plays the the character of a little boy's imaginary friend here. He actually plays the Hitler character, uh, but it's not really a kind of a, a realistic version of uh, uh, of Hitler. It's a kind of a ten year old boy's idea of a kind of a goofy, kind of a silly um, uh, Adolf Hitler, who has, of course, uh, rather um, angry undertones uh, to him. Uh, so when we meet them, it is coming to the end of uh, the Second World War. We meet this little boy who wants to be part of um, the army and the um, wants to be indoctrined into the whole um, idea of Nazism. And they do that with these schools and these kind of training camps, which uh, are mainly kind of held by Sam Rockwell, who plays Captain Kleffendorf uh, in this film. And he becomes part of kind of a Nazi youth group. And he's very proud to do that. Uh, we do realize very early on, though, that he's a rather sensitive boy because he gets his um, nickname Jojo Rabbit because he didn't want to kill a rabbit, which was part of their ah. training. Okay. And um, and also when the boys start fighting, we can see that uh, he's really, really not sure about this. And he, that's, well, I think, the, the start of his kind of um, trip to be and his journey into realizing, you know, that... Uh, the, the Nazi propaganda is, is wrong. There's a lovely moment very early on where he tries to prove himself to be, um, you know, capable when he throws a grenade, it bounces off a tree and lands by him and explodes. And without, uh, you know, um, a, a beat, um, Sam Rockwell turns to the kids and without really caring about the little boy goes, don't do that. And it's very, very funny in those kind of uh, end moments. And so you might think, well, what's funny about the Holocaust? What's funny about, uh, you know, uh, the whole Nazi culture? Well, the thing is, is that, of course, it plays with that, and that takes the mickey about, and un- underpins that all the time. Because basically the film is about love, and it's, a, it's, it's an anti-hate film, and that's what it's all about. Now, there are those who have been critical of it and said, look, you know, it's, it's silly, and it's glib, and, and it should face up to its, its subject matter and be nasty and be violent and show the reality of it. Um, I don't necessarily think that's true. I don't think you really, really have to, because actually he does every now and then, and so when the reality of the Nazi occupation comes and its treatment of, of the Jews at that time is comes to uh, the screen, it is doubly shocking because up until that you're, you're smiling not, yeah, and laughing. And you're not expecting it and suddenly it's in your face. And I think that's what makes yeah. it really, really more effective. So I think, and like I've read some reviewers that I would normally kind of admire and they just have said, look, it just doesn't work and it just, it's just a, it's a silly old piece of nonsense. It's not. It's incredibly clever with some brilliant performances, you know. And the little boy is played by a Roman Griffin Davis who's a young English boy. And he realises that his mother, as I say, is, 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 is a lot more liberal than you might think. And suddenly he realises Realizes, uh, he hears noises upstairs. He realizes that his mother is actually hiding a young Jewish girl in the attic. And she's beautifully played by a New Zealand actress called uh, Thomasin McKenzie. And up until then, of course, the little boy's been told that Jews are all, you know, monsters and smell and have horns going out of the back of their, their head. And at first, she kind of plays along to that idea uh, by frightening the boy so that he doesn't tell anybody that uh, she's actually there. But as time goes on, of course, uh, he begins to realize that uh, she's just like anybody else. And they become friends, obviously, and... Yes. Yeah, yeah. And and does he then change his views completely of the youth Nazis by the end of it? Well, I wasn't going to tell you that, but, um, I mean... (laughs) 
you know, the thing about it is that uh, it's beautifully played by everybody. Scarlett Johansson, who's also in another Oscar-nominated film uh, this year, is beautiful and wonderful in this. Sam Rockwell is always fabulous. Redwood Wilson and Stephen Merchant have been kind of... Um, Stephen Merchant plays kind of this SS officer who's like her flick uh, from Hello, Hello. So they do... All of the performances are, are, are over-the-top and ridiculous to show how ridiculous the whole thing uh, and the whole idea of it was at that time. And I think that's very, very clever. And then because of that, people have been critical of it. But I think that's not fair. I think it's brilliantly satirized. I think it's fabulous. I think it's funny. I think it's interesting. It's brilliantly directed. And, and I thought, uh, personally, I think it works. So I'm not surprised it's got a Best uh, Actor and Best Director nomination. Well done. Well done. So you enjoyed it. My, and it's in the cinemas at the moment. Mark it out of 10? Not for children, though, because the, the, you know, the, the tough parts are tough. So keep okay. that in mind. Uh, I'll give it nine. Nine. Because it's, it's, uh, it's PG-13. Is it PG thirteen? Yeah. yeah, maybe fifteen. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, maybe just 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 keep in mind that Beware thirteen of. means thirteen. Yeah, I know people will think we'll we'll bring under thirteens to it, but it thirteen means thirteen. So. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And just while we have you on the line, we lost uh, another of the Monty Python cast this week, Terry Jones. Were you a big fan of Life well, of Brian? Well, what was amazing? Oh, yeah. Well, what was amazing about Terry was that Terry was not just a great writer, but he was a great historian, and uh, he was uh, he directed most of the movies, and he was a brilliant brilliant director as well. As being a very very clever man, I mean, usually when it came to the sketches, he played the women, and, yeah, and had that voice, you know, yeah. which was really really funny. And I thought it not only was a terrific actor, but yeah, I mean, you know, Life of Brian is uh, just one of is a classic movie. It's a great movie, um, and you know, I, I'm a huge fan, and I and I always have been. And um, yeah, it was quite sad to hear about that. Yeah, there was a huge outpouring of of grief and love for the man. You could see he was so well respected. Okay, listen, thank you for that. Have a lovely week, and we'll chat again next week. You're welcome. Uh, good morning. Good afternoon to you. That's uh, Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. 1850-333-103. Uh, uh, just a couple of texts in. Uh, Anthony says, uh, Patricia, this is um, Liscarrel and Churchtown. The two national schools deciding they've no choice. Church is too small. They have to issue tickets to the parents or to the children who are making their confirmation and leaving it up to the I don't know if they leave it up to the children to decide who's going to come into the church but they're only allowed to bring two guests uh, with them and obviously they attend along with their sponsor. Uh, Patricia, if people had a bigger choice of non-Catholic schools we wouldn't have all this grief in regard to these ceremonies every year says uh, Anthony. Well, you can send a child to a Catholic school but you don't have to you don't have if there isn't any other schools in the area and it's your only choice you don't I'm sure you don't have to um, they don't have to make Holy Communion a confirmation. I mean, that's a, surely an individual choice for each family. So just because they're going to a Catholic school, there will be non-Catholics attending the school as well, Anthony. So I don't think your argument uh, stands up. And John Finbar, this is on recycling, says Patricia. I agree it is probably an insurance issue as to why the council now has stopped people taking items from the civic amenity sites. I watched an English programme on TV where somebody goes to the dump and recycles other people's rubbish but they have to get it before it goes into the dump before it's destroyed completely and it's possibly it is for insurance purposes yeah and maybe somebody is sued I don't know somebody could have maybe have a, has already got a claim in against the council because they got injured when they're at the civic community site either taking an item out or dropping an item in I guess it's funnier from where you're standing Cause from over here I miss the joke Clear the way for my crash landing I've 
done it again another number for your nose I'd be smiling if I wasn't so desperate I'd be patient if I had the time I could stop and answer all of your questions as soon as I find out How I can move from the back of the line I'll be your clown Behind the glass Go ahead and laugh Cause it's funny I would too If I saw I'll be your clown On your favorite channel My life's a circus, circus be less angry if it was my decision and the money was just rolling in if I had more than my ambition I have time for please I'll have time for thank you as soon as I win I'll be on class That's music from Emily Sunday on C103, and that is a track called uh, Clown. Feel Good Friday, Nick Richards. It's up next with Feel Good Friday. And here's some of the tunes he'll be playing. There you go. That's Feel Good Friday. Martine, Nick from one with Martina from four. And that's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. As I say, Nick with Feel Good Friday is with you next. And we'll be back with you next week at 10 o'clock. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Have a very good afternoon. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven day delivery for those cosy nights in. Low cost fuel. Download the C103 app today and listen to your favourite shows on the go. Grab our podcasts and get all the latest Cork news on your phone, tablet, smart speaker and radio. Turn up the volume. We are C103. Tom Jones. It's not unusual to be loved. Live at the Marquee, June 2nd. I saw the light on the night that I passed by her Tickets 6570 go on sale Thursday, January 30th at 9am. Maybe subject to fees. Presented by Aiken Promotions in association with the Irish Independent and C103. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.